and we're going to be reading Exodus chapter 3, 1 to 22. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the uh, Moses saw that the, though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face, because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out of their, because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the land of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. Go, assemble the elders of Israel, and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen what has been done to you in Egypt. And I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt, into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. The elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. And I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed towards this people, so that when you leave, you will not go empty-handed. Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and for clothing, which you will put on your sons and daughters, and so you will plunder the Egyptians.
Good evening, my name's Matt Banks. For those who I've not met, I'm one of the assistant ministers here at Christchurch Mayfair. It's lovely to be with you here tonight. Now, names. When you tell someone a name, a well-known name, there's always associations that go hand in hand with that name, isn't there? So if I say to you, uh, Barack Obama, you know, you've, we've all got associations, whether it's, you know, we can do it, or whatever it was he said six years ago, or whether it's uh, a bit of a lame duck president, actually, didn't really live up to expectations. If I say Bono to you, I hope that doesn't show my age too much, you guys, you, you guys do know, yeah, you either think, you know, good guy who's trying to do well by the world's poor, or you think, well, self-righteous prima donna. You decide. If I say Steve Jobs, you say visionary. Or, by all accounts, if you read his biography, biography you say bully. So whenever we say a name, uh, there's always associations attached to it. And tonight we're thinking about the name God. If I say God to you, what do you think? What goes through your mind? What associations do you have? Did you notice um, in our passage tonight, verse 13, we're on page 59. If you close your Bibles, open them up again, because we're going to be going through this passage. So page 59, and... Verse 13, Moses, Moses says this, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? The issue tonight is the name God. See, in Hebrew thought, the name of a person or a thing was, was really important. It told you something about the, the essence of that person. And you know, we still have that a little bit today, don't we? Um, so if you have a little, little, uh, baby, you, you at least, you at least check what the name means. Mainly so that you don't lumber them with something that means something absolutely awful. But you at least check. My wife, Megan, uh, likes to remind me occasionally that Megan apparently means great one. Uh, and she points that out. But that, that idea, that idea was much stronger in Hebrew thought. So actually, when Moses in verse 13 says, what shall I tell him your name is? What he's really saying is, what, what shall I tell them you're like? What shall I tell the Israelites, my people, you are like? You see, it raises the interesting question. Well, what did the Israelites at this point in time think God was like? Because do you remember where we left things last week? Uh, just look back, chapter 2, verse 23. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. Their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. Do you remember... Um, the nation of Israel is in sort of economic and social captivity 
in the country of Egypt. They're, they're numerous in population, but they're held in bondage by Pharaoh. And they cry out to God. What do they think God is like? Perhaps they just think he, God himself is like some sort of cosmic Pharaoh figure who doesn't care about their suffering. Perhaps they think like he's some kind of, I don't know, sort of well-meaning dad who kind of promises a lot, but actually, when it comes down to it, he can't do anything to help them. Or perhaps God seems to them like a sort of distant authority, so far above it, so high up, that the kind of trivialities of human history don't even cross his desk. As I said before, what does the name... What does the name God mean to you? What does the name God mean to the person who is suffering with a humiliating and debilitating sickness? What does the name God mean to the person who wonders whether they can make it, the depressed person who wonders whether they can make it through the next month without killing themselves? What does the name God mean to the person who uh, you know, is trying to go for it in the Christian life, but who battles to be godly in their workplace? What is the name God? What associations does it have to the, to the sinful person who is, is just anxious that, that their sin is going to make shipwreck of their faith? Well, that is, that is the issue before us tonight. What does the name of God mean? What associations do we have when we hear the name God? I said last week, um, Exodus is really sort of Genesis season two. So a little bit of recap if you weren't here. This guy Moses is a Hebrew or an Israelite, but he didn't have a normal kind of backstory. When he was three months old, his mum hid him in the reeds in a waterproof uh, Moses basket in the reeds. They weren't called Moses baskets back then, were they? <laughs> Notes. Uh, hid, hid, hid him in the reeds. Uh, because Pharaoh had decreed that all baby Hebrew boys were to be drowned. But as it happens, as it happens, God's hand was there at work. Pharaoh's daughter finds him and raises him up as part of Pharaoh's household. But when Moses is a bit older, he sees uh, an Egyptian foreman oppressing one of his people. He looks this way and that, and then he kills him. Pharaoh finds out. And here we join Moses in, in exile, fleeing from Pharaoh. In Midian. In verse 2, Moses is tending his father-in-law's sheep and suddenly he sees this amazing sight. Strange light coming from a bush. The lights are flames of fire from a bush, but this is a flame that does not consume. End of verse 2, chapter 3. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. It needs no fuel and it exists on its own. And Moses goes over to look. And then from out of this mysterious flame, Moses, Moses, here I am. Take off your sandals. You are on holy ground. And then verse 6, Moses, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. See, Moses, the Israelites, and us are about to learn exactly what associations we are to make 
when we hear the name God. That's our first, on to our first point. God reassures his people that he cares about them. God reassures his people that he cares about them. Have a look, verse 7. Here these guys are. Moses says, the, uh, the Lord says, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned. Literally, I know about their suffering. Wonderful, wonderful verbs to cherish. God saw, he heard, he was concerned. But it's not just, not just sort of dispassionate observation in, in the Hebrew, there's a real, there's a real intensity. I have, I've indeed seen, oh, I've seen the suffering of my people, says God. I have heard, I've heard their cries. In the Hebrew, the cries is given emphasis. It's like the cries are ringing in God's ears. And I know. You know how a mum with her little daughter who's suffering, mummy knows. And God knows the suffering is people. God cares. And verse 9, And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. When you hear my name, says God, never doubt that I care. See, knowing, knowing people care matters, doesn't it? There's, a, there's an advert I, I sort of hear on my Spotify at the moment, so I assume it's on the radio as well. Uh, it's an advert for a, um, a charity that helps people care for those who have depression. And the take-home message is basically, if one of your friends or family has got depression, just, just let them know you, you care. Even a little thing like a card or or a text or something like that. Because it matters to us that we know that people care about us. And so how much more to know that God is a God who cares about his people. He sees you, his cries, your cries ring in his ears. He knows, he cares, and he will act. That's our second point. God promises his people that he will powerfully rescue them. We're in verse 8 now. God promises his people that he will powerfully rescue them. Uh, Jump back to verse 7. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land. God is about to descend, to act in human history for the good of his people. Not just to, and not just to turn this sort of their black existence in Egypt into something a little bit more palatable, something grey, but to bring them out, uh, like, into full colour. Verse 8, I'm gonna act to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. A metaphor for the wholesomeness of the land, the fertility of it, the beautiful image, the abundance. I'm going to lead them into the land that, verse 8 again, is the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, i.e. the land that God promised 400 years ago that he would give to Abraham's descendants. 
And then there's more, verse 19. Oh, just before we get there, did you spot how this, this passage kind of works? So sort of verses 7, verses 7 to 12 is God speaking to Moses. And then verses 15 to, to the end, 23 or whatever it is, 15 to the end is God telling Moses what he's then got to go and tell the Israelite people. And some of the stuff is repeated, but there's also more that is added in when God tells Moses what he's got to go and tell the Israelites. And so verse 19, I'm going to deliver you, but verse 19, I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. See, what God promises deliverance from is no, is no small thing. It's no easy thing. For the Israelites to be rescued, a nation will need to be subdued. A king who rules as a god will need to be humbled. But God says, I am powerful enough to do it. My mighty hand is powerful enough to do that. When you hear my name, says God, never doubt that I can and I will rescue. And again, that matters to us, doesn't it? Because the things uh, around us that sort of lure us or lead us away from God seem powerful, but God says, I am powerful enough to rescue you from whatever. God will rescue. And then thirdly, verses 11 and 12, God comforts his people that he is with them. Pick it up at verse 10. God says to Moses, so now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses kind of doubts himself. Moses says to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Fair enough. A few minutes ago, he was just minding some sheep. Now he's on a hectic quest to rescue the Israelites. And we'll see much more of Moses' doubts next week and in the weeks to come. But look how God answers him. Verse 12, I will be with you. I will be with you. And again, who of us doesn't need to know that? And God seems at pains to point it out. Three times this, uh, this phrase is repeated. Moses, I am the God of your fathers, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Three times that's repeated. Verse 6, verse 15, and verse 16. I am the God of your fathers, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God is making the point to Moses. He's making the point to us. He is the God who is with them. And by implication, he is the God who is with Moses. And he's the God who is with us. Verse 16. Moses, go assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob appeared to me and said, look at that wonderful, I have watched over you. I have watched over you. And I have seen what has been done to you in Egypt. And I have promised to bring you up out of your misery. That's what God says to Moses. That is what God would say to any of us here tonight. I know you doubt me sometimes. I know you don't always understand my timing. But there is not a day when I have not watched over you, my people. Moses, as it was with your father, so it will be with you. Wonderful. God comforts his people that he is with them. 
And then we get to verse 13, and that's that question we looked at right at the beginning. Verse 13. Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And that leads us on to our final point, which is, which is essentially God's answer to Moses. My name is I am who I am. Pleased to meet you. Well, actually, I've got to be honest. Strictly speaking, technically, the personal name that God uses in the Old Testament is, 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 is Yahweh. That sort of comes from the Hebrew. The per, strictly speaking, the personal name for God in the Old Testament that he uses is Yahweh. Uh, and that's the, that's the name that gets translated Lord in capital letters in our Bibles. So if you ever look at down at verse 15, you see Lord is mentioned there. Strictly speaking, that is the Lord's name. Lord or Yahweh. So verse 15, God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. That is... That is that is God's personal name in the Old Testament. And in fact, if you look back in Genesis, there's, there's evidence of people using the name Yahweh or Lord to speak to God. But as we said at the beginning, actually when Moses is saying, uh, what shall I tell the Israelites your name is? Probably what he's really saying is, well, Lord, I, we, we, we do refer to you as Lord or as Yahweh, but we want to know What does that mean? Flesh out what your name means. Tell us who you are. And wow, what an answer he gets. Verse 14. God says to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to tell the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. What a response. Imagine imagine that in Freshers Week. Hi, I'm Matt. Yeah, I'm studying history. What's your name? I am who I am. It'd be ridiculous if a human being said that. But it's not ridiculous for God to say that. In that phrase, I am who I am, what do we hear? Well, we hear a, we hear a statement about supreme reality. A statement about supreme existence. Ultimate reality is, you know, and some of you guys studying physics and whatever or philosophy, you're sort of trying to drill down into what is ultimate reality. Ultimate reality is that God exists. I am who I am. I exist. I am entirely self-sufficient, says God. I was, I was not created. I need nothing. I lack nothing like the like the fire in the bush that is not burnt up that is not consumed that is not never spent i will never be burnt out i will never be spent there is nothing i need for sustenance says god i just am supreme being supreme existence and that is what god announces his name to be to moses
I think it's a bit like this. I think, you know, in the sort of uh, Hollywood action movie, uh, the crisis happens and uh, the president comes on TV and says, I'm going to... No, he's probably not Southern American. (laughs) I will bring the full power of my office to bear on sorting out the problem, whatever it is, the terrorists, the situation. And here is God saying, I'm going to bring the full power of my supreme being, my supreme existence to bear on the situation that you Israelites are in. You see, we've just heard the Lord reassure Moses and us that he cares for his people. And announcing his name as I am who I am only serves to underline that. See, what could be more reassuring than knowing that the person who cares for you, the one who sees, who knows, who hears, is the one who says, I am who I am. The one who says, I will never get compassion fatigue. The one who says, I will never be too tired to care. I will never need a little bit of space to myself. Who says, you may think I have forgotten you, but I have not and I will not. When you hear my name, know that I am the Lord and I care. We've heard the Lord promise that he will rescue his people. Well, who do you think can make a promise and always come good on it? What is the Lord who says, I am who I am, the one who needs nothing, who lacks nothing, the one who is therefore threatened by nothing or no one, the one who can be thwarted by no one. I am who I am, says God. And to Moses, you will see what I will do. Not, no Moses, I'm, I'm going to give it my best shot with the Egyptians, but no guarantees. I'm not signing anything. No. When you hear my name, know that I am the Lord and I will rescue. We've heard the Lord say that he will be with his people. But again, I am who I am. No one made me. I have no beginning and no end. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. I was with them and I am with you now. I am your God, Moses. In fact, have a look. Just have a look back at verse 12. We've already looked at it. But uh, when God, and God says, I will be with you. Literally in the Hebrew, it is that. It is I am with you. When you hear my name, know that I am the God who cares, who will rescue and who is with you. That is what that is what that is what God wants Moses and the Israelites to associate with His name. You hear the name Lord and know that that is the God who cares, who will rescue, and who is with His people. And any of us who are Christians tonight worship that same God. Any of us who are Christians know that same God, of course. We often call him a new name, Jesus. But actually, there's one point in the New Testament when Jesus is speaking to Jewish people who doubted him, and he says this. He says, your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. The Jews say, you are not yet 50 years old, and you have seen Abraham. And listen to this. I tell you the truth. Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. So Jesus is saying, what what you know about God, 
from the Exodus. All that you associate with the name Lord from the Exodus. You better associate that with me. Because I am that God. So care from, from the burning bush. God reassured his people that he cared. But in Jesus we see that care fully embodied as God himself steps into human history. In Exodus we see uh, a God who hears the cries of his people. In Jesus we see a God who weeps for people. Who weeps at brokenness and pain and sin and suffering. A God who will one day wipe away every tear from every eye. And if you're a person going through the going through the mill at the moment you need to know that Jesus cares from the burning bush God promised his people that he would powerfully rescue them but in Jesus as we know God undertakes a rescue even more bold even more audacious even more difficult than rescuing a whole people from Pharaoh he undertakes to rescue people who like Every single one of us in this room naturally who live under the fear of death and the fear of punishment for our sin. And we all know that he has already affected that rescue by his death and resurrection. But it doesn't always feel like that to us, does it? As we battle day by day to live lives that are pleasing to him, you know, as Kristen was saying earlier. But the one who has all authority on heaven and on earth says, I am the one who will be true to my promises. I have begun a good work in you and I will complete it. And so to the person who despairs as they look at the repeated sin in their lives or the person who is terrified when they see the depth of sin in their heart, Jesus says, hear my name and believe. I will rescue you. I will carry on the good work I've begun in you. And from the burning bush, God comforted his people that he is with them. And Jesus says, my sheep, listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish No one can snatch them out of my hand. Jesus says, I am with you. You are mine and I am yours. And I am with you to the end of the age. I'm with you even when you are afflicted by depression and can feel nothing. I'm with you when you're in the office and fearful of what people are going to think of you. God, Jesus, when you hear those names, hear what God says from the burning bush. When you hear those names, associate them with a God who cares for you deeply, a God who will rescue you, and a God who is always with you. Let's pray.
Lord, we, we sing your praises Sunday by Sunday. We have your name on our lips, uh, Bible study during the week. Heavenly Father, each time we think of you, think of your name, each time we sing your name, Lord, this week, make us people who associate with that name the wonder of a God who cares for his people, the wonder of a God who promises that he will rescue his people, and the wonder of a God who is always with his people. Amen.